Hello, hello. <laughs> welcome. <Hi>. Hey. <laughs> Hey y'all, welcome. How are you? I am well, I am well. Welcome to another, another episode of Brother From Another. You should not be surprised because as you all heard last week, we are doing a thing. It is called Women Wednesdays. And today I'm so honored and privileged to be joined by my girl, friend of the show, Ashley Nicole Moss from I Am Athlete. How are you doing, Ash? I'm good. Yes. Listen, guys, your eyes don't deceive you. Michael and Michael did not get this good looking. They're not here today, but we are going to be holding down the fort for not just the ladies, but we got a lot to talk about. And we have we have the guys with us this time around. We got some guys coming in. We're going to talk some NFL, some NBA, but it's the girls who are running the show. So I'm here for this energy. It is the first day of Women's Month, so I feel like this is appropriate. Very perfect, very perfect. You know, Beyonce said who runs the world. So before we get into the busy, busy sports news cycle of the day, and it has really been an incredibly busy Wednesday, I Mm. wanted to first talk to you, Ash, because you had an interview recently with one of my favorite rappers. He says he's top five, dead or alive, but I just want to know what that experience was like. Before you tell me about it, though, I just want to let let the audience hear a little bit um, of your interview with Kiss, Jada Kiss. You spoke about Biggie and how traumatic that was. And there's been a lot of traumatic deaths in hip hop involving violence of some sort, specifically guns. I mean, Nipsey Hussle, we talk takeoff. Pop smoke. What is that like experiencing it and now seeing it as an OG in the game and you're seeing this new wave of, of hip-hop artists coming up and their lives being taken just as short. It's sickening. Um, it's disgusting to see some of these young kids losing their lives over some of this stuff. I think it's preventable. They need more therapy. They need more interventions. They need more chopping it up with the OGs. Cause some of the older elder statesmen have knowledge that's priceless and no dollar sign could top some conversations you can get from some of these older guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, there you have it. One yeah. Words of wisdom from Jada Kiss. What was it like to sit down and talk with him? Were you fanning out at all? You know, I was on the inside. You know, there's, I think, you know, I'm so honored to be able to sit down with so many incredible people and kind of peel back the layers of who they are as individuals and you know, I'm grateful for everybody who's felt, you know, enough safety with me to really open up and tell their story, whatever that story may be. But of course, you know, you have your dream list. And for me, Kobe Bryant was on that list. Rest in peace. I never did get a Kobe Bryant interview before his untimely passing. Allen Iverson is on that list for me. Jay-Z's on that list for me. Jada Kiss is on that list for me. So to actually be able to check one off, you know, that list was so cool. I mean, his Music was the soundtrack to so much of my childhood, especially growing up in New York. I mean, Jada is more than just an artist. He's an icon. He's a goat. He's a legend. And if I, you know, I wrote one of the comments I wrote on one of the reels we dropped was like, if I could go back and tell 13 year old Ashley, you know, with her baby hair slicked back, rocking her uptown with her little Stefan Marbury Knicks jersey dress. If I could tell her that she would be sitting down with Jada Kiss one day, she'd be like, get the hell out of here. No, I wouldn't. So it, it was very cool to be able to 
come full circle with that moment. I feel very blessed to be able to have been in his presence. Yeah. For sure. Even though he was talking about a really serious topic in terms of violence and hip hop, I love that during that he talked about therapy. I just love to hear like men, black men, black people like talking about therapy because yeah. I'm just like, we need it. Like, I feel like everyone should go to therapy. But girl, I go to therapy every Saturday. I am open about that. And I'm just like, I love to hear him say that. I mean, we've heard Jadakiss talk so much about his growth um, mentally, yeah. his diet, just everything, the way he takes his health, everything he's doing. So I don't know, that just stood out to me among some of the many other great that, things. Because you know what? I, I got an appointment with my therapist tomorrow at four, so I'm right there with you, sis. <laughs> <laughs> take Did care you of your mentals, take care of your chicken, as Marshawn Lynch says, take care of it all, people. Definitely. I think one of my just, favorite things from Jada Kiss is just I during the pandemic you were tuned in I'm I'm short of verses oh, so I mean they probably yes. put on what the best verses of verses yeah it was really cool we dove into that a little bit too it was cool for a multitude of reasons obviously as a New Yorker it meant something extra special because these are yes. two groups that had such a pivotal um representation and just impact on New York City culture but it was also very cool because I feel like they finally got the accolades they deserved from people maybe who weren't from the tri-state, who didn't eat, breathe, and sleep, the locks or Dipset, Jada, Cam, all those guys. And it introduced both those groups to new audiences, a younger generation who was like, yo, these guys are cool. And I'm like, yeah, what y'all know? I felt like one of those old heads. It was like, what y'all know about this? Um, Definitely. But it, was, <laughs> but it was great. And I love, you know, it just speaks to when you are an artist that, can make an impact in so many different ways, culturally speaking, lyrically speaking, you know, the longevity for that is, you know, forever because it just continues. And I think that's something that you kind of lose with a lot of new artists today. It's so quick and just putting out things that are, may not be the most meaningful, but it gives you the most reward instantly. And it was very cool to see like the OGs who did it you know, the old way and the and the most successful way, if you ask me, to really get their flowers once again. I love seeing it, so. Well, very dope. I'm so happy you got to check that off your list of Thank what I'm you. sure are the many great things you're going to do. But we should probably turn our attention to the news of the day. We should. What's going on? You want to break it down? There's a lot of news. We're talking NBA. We get an NFL. Like, because some things have been dropping. There is. We should probably bring in a friend, um, someone who you know. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, want I'm, me to do it or I'm you want to handle that? I'm actually, I'm actually surprised that we're able to afford him at this point. I mean, he is Rihanna's boot bag. I mean, if you watch that video, she was driving on the golf cart and she said, thanks, boo. And we haven't been able to tell Jim anything since. What's up, Jim? I'm surprised you're here. Nor will you ever be able to tell me anything. But first, but first, I have to say this, honestly. I mean this in all sincerity. You ladies know me. I am truly honored to be on on Women's Wednesday with two beautiful, intelligent, lovely, charming black women. I, truly, this, this is an honor for me. So I thank you all for having me on. Oh, Jim, thank you Aww, so thanks, much. Thanks, Jim. Well, you're coming live from the Combine. Um, a lot of interesting things are being said there, as can be expected. You know, we're, we're hearing about T. Higgins, you know, and the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, how he's going to be there. 
We're hearing about Justin Fields and is he going to get some help? We're hearing about moves that may or not be made and what's going on. But that's not the biggest story to come out of the combine. Why don't you let us know what that is since you're on the front lines there? Yeah, what's the talk uh, today is just Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle, and this whole um, incident now where it's come out now that he was speeding with another car mm. in which two people were killed um, who were also part of the Georgia program. And what's interesting is when you talk to people here, personnel people with clubs, and say, how much is this going to have an impact on his draft status? Um, and the opinion is varied because, number one, the first thing we want to say here is they're waiting for more information to come out. And I've heard Correct. from some teams who say that based on the preliminary information they have, that it is not going to be as serious as some are trying to portray it in terms of him facing um, potential jail time for this. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm hearing from some. Others are saying we still want to wait and hear. But the reality is this, if it is not significant, in terms of, let's say, if he were to face a league suspension or even if he were to face jail time, what one personnel person said to me is he's not falling out of the first round. And really, I don't see him falling out of the top ten, this personnel person said to me. He's too talented, and if you're at the bottom of that first round, if you are, say, Kansas City or you are Philadelphia, and a talent like, such as this, who everyone agrees is special, is there mm -hmm. for you, and he might have to miss a period of time they believe that he will be drafted at that point. So, again, I don't I, want to get too too far out in front of this story. Right. But there's a lot that still needs to be known, but it is the story of the day. I want to ask, I mean, obviously, you know, there's things that have to come out. You know, we don't know the full story. Accidents do happen. Um, tragic accidents do happen, especially, you know, when you're young, you're still you know, going through life, figuring life out, and you're bound to make some mistakes. And sometimes those mistakes are, are more grave than others, unfortunately. Um, I want to ask, though, at his age, though, you know right from wrong, and you know things that you should be doing and you shouldn't be doing. And that's not to say you still won't make mistakes, but it does speak to the judgment of a person. And I wonder if that is a concern. Obviously, the talent is there. But when we talk, when we talk about players, when we talk about athletes, the word intangible is always thrown around there. You know, we spoke about that with Jalen Hurts years ago when he was in the combine and going through the draft process that, yeah, the things you, the X's and O's that you need to win games may not be there right away, but he has the intangibles. And that sometimes, most of the time, is priceless. So in this conversation, the intangibles are more on the negative side. So is there any concern about his judgment, whether with you or with anybody that you've spoken to moving forward. Sure, Ashley. There will be some who have concern about that. But the reality of the NFL is, as we always say, talent trumps all. And so yeah. this is a tremendously talented player. Others will look at him and say he is young, he made a mistake, but he can grow from that. We know of a number of players who have come into the league who have had or made bad judgment decisions, who have grown from it and been very productive not only players, but people in terms of the community and whatnot. So I haven't heard anyone talking too much about his judgment at this point. Obviously, it was not good in this case, but he is viewed as a young player who is a tremendous talent. And therefore, as we say in the NFL, talent trumps all. And they believe that barring something dramatic coming out, that Jalen Carter is, is going to be fine as, as far as it relates to his draft status. 
So, Jim, um, I'm just wondering sort of further to that point because he's, he's issued a statement. The coach put out a statement. Um, so I think we do have to just wait for the facts to unfold. And it's probably the lawyer in me that's like, <laughs> let's just let's just wait uh, and intelligent intelligence <laughs> let's wait and see what happens but i've already sort of started to see people you know apparently his work ethic was being called into question before and they're trying to conflate these two and bring them together what are, what are your thoughts on that in terms of that jump that some people are already starting to make with this story and some things that were being said about him before yeah, let me say this, and I'm on record with it. This is the time of year I hate most on the NFL calendar. Mm. It, is, it is draft season because I am so sick and tired of teams anonymously tearing down these young men and these prospects, sometimes for selfish needs in terms of wanting a player to fall so that they have a shot at, at, at the player. And selectively, Jim, and selectively, because they don't do it with all players. Let's, let's make that very clear as well. Absolutely. As I've said many times, the league data says the player population in the NFL is 60 to 70% black. So we know who these narratives are going to be built around most often. So from that standpoint, I hate this time of the year because – the, you're talking about a person's character with some of these things that are being said. And, and these labels stick for a long time in some cases. Mm -hmm. And it is just so unfair to the player and to the prospect. And so I always say this, it's fine if you believe it, but put your name on it during this time of year. Be a man about it or a woman about it or whoever it is. Put your name on it if you're going to say these damaging things about players as opposed to hiding behind the veil of anonymity and trying to tear down the character of these young men. For sure. Absolutely. I want to, if we can switch gears a little bit, I want to ask you about something that Pete Carroll said during his time at the Combine. I believe he's still there, but it was in regards to Geno Smith. And, you know, the, the Seahawks have the fifth pick going into the draft, and Pete Carroll flat out said, hey, we may draft a quarterback. Now, there's pros and cons, or rather there's two sides of this argument. Some people say, well, it makes sense. Geno Smith was never designed to be the franchise quarterback, the forever quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. He's kind of the in-between. You know, they had the Russell Wilson era. They're rebuilding. They're going to need a new guy to go ahead and be in control of that franchise once all the other pieces and needs are filled. Some people will say Geno showed that he can go ahead and lead a team. I mean, he threw for over 4,000 yards. He brought a team that a lot of people counted out, including myself, thought this team was going to be a dumpster fire after <laughs> Russell Wilson left and it was just going to be in disarray. Gino kept them afloat. Obviously, it didn't end the way he probably would have wanted, but it was still very impressive. What is your make of the situation in Seattle. Is it smart to draft a quarterback or is it smart to go ahead and maybe get some pieces to see what Geno can do with that? Yeah, I would say to you, it's smart to stick to your board and trust your board. Where teams get into trouble is when they overdraft players for a need. And look, it is a quarterback-driven league, no question. And the Seahawks are thinking that they are not going to draft this high again anytime soon based on how they have constructed this team and based on the confidence they have in their ability to draft well and build. So from that standpoint, for me, they have two firsts and they have two seconds. The only reason you take a quarterback up high, in my opinion, is if you truly believe that that person fits everything that you want in terms of the traits and the ability and the character and the leadership and all of that. If not, you don't force it. So if the Seahawks are able to re-sign Geno Smith, as they said they anticipate doing, 
then the only mm -hmm. reason you take a quarterback, in my opinion, is that you believe that this is a franchise guy who at some point in the near future can step in and win ball games for you. Short of that, you don't do it. You don't take a risk that high if you don't have to, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, the Seahawks are interesting. There's so many like teams. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. There's so many teams dealing with quarterback situations. And I got to tell you, mm -hmm. I'm sort of over it. I just want to know like where people are going to land. Like, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar, whoever. But, I mean, let's let's talk because, I mean, all the talk is Lamar. All the talk is Aaron Rodgers today. And then, of course, Derek Carr is out there. But let, let's mm -hmm. start with Lamar because, well, I already know Ashley's take on, on Lamar because she has thoughts. Yeah, I did hear that. Let's let the audience hear what Ashley said just in case they <laughs> missed it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm talking to the Ravens right now. Who the hell do you think is in the draft or future drafts <laughs> that you are willing to go ahead and play a game of chicken with Lamar Jackson? Do you think the second coming of Lamar Jackson is just sitting in the back of the, the fifth round of the draft just waiting for you to find him? It's not happening. Lightning doesn't strike twice. You have a guy in front of you who has shown that he can go ahead and produce wins, who has won an MVP, who is liked by his teammates, who is supported by his teammates, who genuinely likes being a Baltimore Raven. He enjoys wearing the jersey that is on his back. He puts the team first. I mean, the list, he's likable. People actually want to go ahead and sign him to endorsement deals, which then again only increases your brand equity as a franchise because your franchise guy is likable. You see him on commercials or you see him in ads or whatever the case may be, and people say, oh, that's Lamar Jackson, quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. But y'all want to play chicken like you have all this leverage. I'm going to tell you right now, for the Baltimore Ravens, if you are watching me right now, the front office, you don't have any leverage. Do not cut off your nose to spite your face. You are going to lose this battle if you do not pay Lamar Jackson. It's as simple as that. You're going to lose. Um, so, Jim, <laughs> you are there. You're there. You're at the combine. You're around these people. Are you going to go show them Ashley's message? Because what, what say you on this topic, Jim? Uh, let me say this to you. I don't know that I need to say anything else. I think Ashley said it all, and she's absolutely right on this. I can tell you this for a fact from people I know who are, let's say, in the know. Lamar is not sweating this, right? He's, He's going to be fine either way. And the thing I love about Lamar, and I have to give full disclosure here, Lamar Jackson is one of my favorite players in the NFL. Why? Not only because of his talent, but because he is one of the most authentic players in the NFL. He has never tried to change for anyone else. He is who he is. And I will tell you a story Ashley mentioned about he's likable. People like him. Going into his second season, which would be his first year as a full-time starter, so he has not even won an MVP yet. I'm at the um, Hall of Fame game. The Ravens are playing in it. And I'm talking with a member of their front office who had been with the team since it was in Cleveland. And this person says to me, he has never seen teammates respond to a player like they had to Lamar, even at that point. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You had Ray Lewis, you had Ed Reed, you got Jonathan mm -hmm. Ogden, Hall of Famers. And he said, no, I am telling you, I have never seen teammates respond to a player like this as they have with Lamar. And so for a young man to win over a locker room that quickly 
before he had ever even had a full season under his belt as a player, and then to go on and win an MVP, a unanimous MVP, and we know there have only been uh, um, a couple of those. To me, the Ravens have no leverage here, as Ashley said. Now, look, they can say we'll franchise him and trade him, but here's the reality, too. I always love teams who think that the grass is going to be greener on the other side. You just don't replace players like Lamar Jackson. And if you do, even if you find someone who can, this offense has been specifically built for Lamar yep. Jackson's skill set, which means it is going to take time to build it around another quarterback. So are you willing to, to take the two seasons, three seasons, whatever it may be, to rebuild around another quarterback. And then I can tell you this, what that does is that creates issues in the locker room because you have veteran players who are saying, I ain't got many years left here. I'm trying to win a championship now. I'm not trying to go through a rebuild while you build around another mm -hmm. quarterback. So there are a lot of layers to this discussion, and I'm sure that the Ravens are, are, are talking about them, but they sort of painted themselves into a corner when the owner came out and said, that they should not be holding to a fully guaranteed deal just because the Cleveland Browns did one to Deshaun Watson. And right now it appears that both sides are dug in. And, and if I know Lamar like I think I do, and again, him being the most authentic player that I know in terms of what he says he does, I don't think he's going to back down. On he's this. not so, backing down. So I'll tell you what, he's not bam. backing down. Yeah. And listen, what, what do they say? One man's trash is another man's treasure, and the Ravens are going to set themselves back years if they let Lamar Jackson walk away. They're not, there's not another Lamar Jackson waiting for you, Baltimore. If you let him walk, you will pay the consequences. That will not be a destination that anybody wants to go to for a very long time if you let this situation take the direction of just being spiteful. He has already proven that he can win games. Yes. Has it been in the postseason? No, it's been one playoff win. But there's a lot of factors that fall under that. It's not just the quarterback. You go, you have to go ahead and surround him with the pieces that he needs to be successful. But another Lamar Jackson is not waiting for you. Don't do this, Baltimore. Don't do it. You're going well, to lose. <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to say this to you. They have a new offensive coordinator this year, right? And if they don't sign him to a long-term extension – and he decides I'm not going to sign the franchise tag right away at least. So you're going to go the entire offseason trying to install a new offense with a quarterback who isn't Lamar Jackson and then expect him to come in in week one and hit the ground running? You have basically, I would argue, hindered your chances then of making the playoffs even for next season. So mm -hmm. I would say if you are going to do this, whatever you are going to do, you need to do it quickly because you need to have your quarterback there this offseason, learning that offense, um, building that chemistry with his teammates as you learn that new offense, as opposed to saying we're going to play chicken with Lamar and hope that he comes in in week one and think that you're going to hit the ground running. Pay the quick man, question Raven. before we let you quick quick question before we let you leave, Jim, because Nat and I are thinking about going on a darkness retreat. Um, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, retirement or new team? Where is it going? Or is he going back to Green Bay? What do you think? Ashley, he ain't leaving $60 million on the table. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Rodgers will be playing somewhere this season. I don't know if it will be in Green Bay. I think Green Bay is showing that it is tiring of, of this. 
but he is not leaving $60 million on the table no matter what he says. And after his last game, I remember asking him about it, and he said he's made enough money, he's fine financially, all of that. But I will say this to you, $60 million is $60 million. And he ain't leaving that on the table. And wow. before we leave, before just, we leave, let me give a wait, shout out because we're we're talking women's um, Wednesday. The NFL had its women's forum out here this week. It's seventh annual one. Okay. What they're trying to do is raise the pipeline or increase the pipeline, the number of women in the pipeline in football operations. It's a great program that they do. So I wanted to give Sam Rappaport and these women a shout out for what they're doing to try and get more women into the game on the football operation side. Okay. Um, actually, though, before we go, because, Jim, I have to shout out the fact that you are wearing a, a particular hoodie that I like. And I'm also wearing a particular hoodie, if you haven't noticed today. It says Night Night. So, ah, I love it. I aside love it. from shouting out the fact that our guys are one place out of the four seed in the West, um, I just wanted to know, because to me, one of the most inter- interesting sound bites after their postgame last night Um, I don't know if you've heard it. I'm just going to tell you about it real quickly. But it was Draymond Green saying at the conclusion of Black History Month that he does not celebrate Black History Month. Why do we have the shortest month? Black history should be taught throughout the year, actually, and kind of, you know, went in on, you know, Florida and other states that are trying to rid it of its curriculum. And so... Um, I love it in terms of, yes, we need to call out what's happening. I still think we need a Black History Month. But, you know, I just wanted your thoughts on what Draymond had to say. Yeah. Give us January, 31 days. Give us a, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> give, me, give me a, I got to get the month with the leap year? That's ghetto. Yeah, no, I didn't hear. But um, in terms of what he said about what's happening in Florida and other parts of the country, he's absolutely spot on. He's also spot on about us having the shortest month. Look, I say this, celebrate us whenever we can. Yeah. And I celebrate us every day of the year. That's 365 day. days. So I don't need a month. Um, if people want to do that for performative gestures, that's fine. But I celebrate our black history every day of every year. And you know we do know that every right. day on this show. So, Jim, thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate oh, you. Bye, Blue. I am honored. I am honored. You Keep know? faith in the I Warriors, love, Jim. Love you, ladies. <laughs> Tell Rihanna I said hi. Bye, Blue. I will. You know I will. You know I will. The impact of what we did on the floor, no doubt about that. I'm not trying to undercut that. That hurt. Like, not finishing out the season, but, like, I can separate what we do on the floor and who we are as a human being. And I know you got your own situation that has nothing to do with what we doing. You know what I'm saying? You got to move how you got to move for the best, for the betterment of you. So, I get that part of it. Like, I probably wouldn't have understood that seven, eight years ago. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I've been through my situations with moving teams and, and – and, and feeling like I needed a new situation. So I'm like, uh, I've been through it all, so I can understand your viewpoint on that. And I can still be upset that we didn't finish the job, but, like, uh, cool with me. Katie loves a beanie. Like, he loves a beanie. I, I mean, I get why, but, like, he lo- man loves a beanie. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So that was Kevin Durant talking um, about the, the the ending of him and Kyrie in Brooklyn, Vince. Um, he also said in that interview that 
he and Kyrie haven't had time to really talk yet, um, but but he understands the situation. Um, and I like you know my initial thought when I first heard that was well, what else can you say? I mean, you sort of did the same exact thing to Russell Westbrook, right? So you you have to be understanding of the situation. But that being said, he's on to. Uh, greener maybe pastures in Phoenix. So I'm just curious your thoughts on what he had to say in that video. And then I want to talk about Katie because you were going to be in the building for his return tonight. And for Vince, Vince, before you answer that, you can tell that Nat is a Warriors fan who is judging the hell out of Kevin Durant. There was so much <laughs> aggressiveness and judgment in that whole summary. My goodness, Warriors fans will not let this man live live his life. <laughs> there's a there's a Beyonce song that I don't know the lyrics to. I think it's called Resentment, and I feel like that's, that's what that has for KD. My goodness, I can feel the heat all I the way over are, there. I think y'all are grossly it's exaggerating, it's more, but go ahead. it's more judgment than resentment. <laughs> Good grief! And and Ashley, to your point about Katie wearing a beanie, if I had hair like that, I'd wear a beanie every chance I got, including <laughs> on the floor. And you right? talking about now, me? Do you hear these shots being fired? <laughs> that's a shot. That's that's a shot. That's not resentment or oh or uh, anything like that. That's just jokes. Now, to your point about Kevin Durant and Kyrie. It's a little bit different than Russell Westbrook. Kevin Durant's contract was up, and then he decided, hey, I don't feel like playing here anymore. That's different than Kyrie in Brooklyn not really being able to come to terms on a contract extension, and then Kyrie saying, get me up out of here. But if we're going to talk about Kevin Durant just period, aren't we all a little bit excited to see what, what this, to see what this looks like? Maybe not Natalie, right? I get, I get, it, I I get it, Natalie. You probably wouldn't be excited to see what this looks like but this would be actually natalie's dream i'm interested if the phoenix Suns failed with kevin durant and chris paul on the same team yeah she wouldn't show up to work the next day because she would be there <laughs> at midnight oh so I'm, I'm definitely interested on, for sure on that point though vince we, we we're hearing this conversation a lot a lot if kevin durant and the Suns fail is it championship or bust are the expectations a little bit high this soon. I mean, there's less than 20 games left in the season. This is a 34-year-old player coming off of an MCL injury. You don't really know. You know, obviously he's cleared to play, but the body is what the body is. And sometimes it takes you a little while to get acclimated. These are also guys who have not played together. Yes, you can talk Team USA, but they have not played together as a unit for a season or for part of a season or into the playoffs. So, this season, I feel like championship or bust or failure, all those words are a little bit extreme. I don't know if we can really have that conversation until next season when these guys have an entire NBA season to really play, to really gel. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like that conversation can happen. Where do you stand on that argument? There's a love song or a terrible love song yeah. with terrible lyrics. I'm not sure if you're familiar with its work. Uh, it's Jagged Edge called Let's Get Married. Oh, And Lord. the basic premise of the song is, we ain't getting no younger, might as well do this. Last I checked, Chris Paul's going to be 38 in May, which means next May he's going to be 39. And if Kevin Durant is old-ish now and getting hurt-ish now, you kind of want to take care of business this year. Here's the other thing. 
there's nobody in the Western Conference that should scare anybody. Like, that's the gift and the curse of the West so far is that it's really deep in mediocrity. There's a whole bunch of mid in the Western really? Conference. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Everybody, yes. has, everybody has a fatal flaw in the Western Conference. Even Denver, who's running away with it. Even Sacramento, who I'm, who I think people are really kind of overlooking. They're saying, yeah, let's let's get to the 3-6. And you fuck around. Excuse me. Ooh, I was about to, ooh, excuse my French. And you mess around <laughs> and get popped, right? I, 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 almost, I almost let some slip out of my I got a little too comfortable. But no, Peacock. I do think it's that okay. for Phoenix. It's okay. It's Listen, no, you were no, on no. the show when I did it, so you know. You know. The, the standard is higher for some more than others, uh, Natalie. But no, if I'm Phoenix, this is championship or bust. Like when you wow. have what I consider to be the baddest man on the planet, and you lost the last time you went to the finals because you didn't have someone to match up with Giannis. Now you have your own nuclear weapon, a completely different team, mind you. No Cam Johnson, no Mikael Bridges, that type of situation. But this, you have no reason not to get to June now. Like the expectations are there. You don't acquire Kevin Durant to say, hey, we're going to get to the second round this year and next year we're going to make a run for it. You look at it and say, there is no reason why we shouldn't make it to the finals this year. Not a Golden State, not out of Denver, not a Memphis. Nobody should scare this Phoenix Suns team. And you went from a team that rises and failed basically under Chris Paul to now Kevin Durant raising your ceiling. The expectation should be finals, if not championship. Okay, well, first of all, he's not the baddest man. That's part of the problem. You keep describing him as that, and that's why the the results keep happening. (laughs) Secondly, trust me, the Suns and many of those teams don't want to see the Warriors, so you can say they shouldn't want to fear them, but they don't want to see them. And third, I'm just going to revisit something because when I say a situation is analogous, it is analogous to Russ. I'm going back there because I'm petty in that he did not take the time to talk to his teammates of several years before making his decision. So I'm not ever criticizing him for making a decision in free agency. I wanna be clear when you throw out these things that you think I'm doing. I support free agency, I support all of his decisions, but he did not talk to his teammate. There was a reason why Russ was so angry with him. And so I just find it interesting that, you know, he left, you know, Kyrie left and that he and Kevin Durant didn't talk about it. But now going back to Kevin Durant, I agree that there are expectations for this season. And I agree with basically all of Vince's reasoning because, you know, he keeps getting hurt. Like, I think Chris Paul, the Suns are looking to maybe move him after this season, right? Those were like the early reports. So, I mean, you got to win at some point. If you don't do it this year, then what? You know, who knows what the teams are going to look like after, after this season in the West. Fair. I think, I mean, obviously the expectations are there when you have on your team Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And name alone, there comes expectations. And we've seen that across the league and we've seen that for many seasons. Now, whether those expectations are realistic or not is a different conversation. I feel like it's more realistic to have those expectations for a team like the Warriors who have been there before, who were com- who were coming off of a championship last season. Same group of guys, same continuity, same chemistry, yes. They've dealt with ups and downs, trials and tribulations. Same thing in Boston. Same group of guys. Yeah, you lost your head coach, but that hasn't stopped you. Same thing in Milwaukee. I think once you start moving players and you're implementing new chemistry into the conversation, I feel, and you're also implementing a 34-year-old player coming off of another major injury, 
an injury he sustained last season or the season before last, I think there always has to be a level of, yes, the expectations are the expectations, but we may be putting the carriage before the horse in a lot of those expectations. And I feel like this season is not championship or bust for the Suns just yet. We can talk about that come, um, you know, September, October of next year or next season for sure, though. All valid points, but I'm not giving him that pass. Maybe Vincent will. <laughs> tell, tell, tell that to that tell that to that owner that paid four billion dollars for it, and then on the first day he said, "Go get me Kevin Durant," because he was thinking about next September. That's what he was thinking about next September. And to your point, Ash, you could be all the, all the logic that you're saying could very well be true. It could all be fair, but this ain't a fair world that we live in, and this ain't a fair NBA that we've always operated in. I have higher expectations for the Phoenix Suns than I do the Golden State Warriors. Like. Phoenix has at least won You're six bad. straight games this year. Ooh. No, it look, look, last don't care who's telling him. He's the, the, the Warriors are coming off of a championship. What are we talking about? Let them. It's okay, and, Ashley. Let them. And, let them. Because it'll be the same nonsense. Okay. No, they're not actually anymore. But um, I, I'm curious <laughs> about the rest of the West because uh, all these trades happen. I'm good in the West. <laughs> Yes, all these trades happened. You know, we had Ja, who's making news today. Um, not good news, but he said he's good in the West. We had all the, oh, Luca, Kyrie, no one's going to be able to stop them. They've won one game together as a pairing when they're both on the court. So not since Kyrie came, but when the two of them are on the court, they've won one out of four games. We'll see what happens with the Suns, though. Ash is giving them some built-in excuses here to start. So, I mean, what's going on with all these trades? I heard all this stuff about the West. Y'all don't let the Warriors play around all this time. And now they're one game out of fourth, and none of these teams create a separation. Talk to me about the West, Vincent. I mean, the Warriors are playing much better, you know, considering Steph is on the man and Clay had a really good January and February, right? I still have questions. I still need to see consistency beyond where the champions and that sweat equity is going to carry over because a lot of those pieces that helped them win a championship last year aren't there this year. Now, granted, Kaminga looking looking good. Jordan Poole is starting to figure some things out it, besides some of those, you know, cringy threes that he takes on the break mm-hmm. like he's Steph Curry, right? But beyond that, if you're the Clippers, if you're the Warriors, if you're the Suns, you're not looking at any team in the Western Conference and saying there's fear. Just be, put it like this, Nat. You may think that nobody fear, no people should fear the Warriors. I don't think they should. They should be aware of them, right? But I don't think the Warriors should fear anybody either. I don't think they walk into a seven-game series, home court or not, whether it's Memphis or Denver or anybody else above them, feeling like they can't steal a game on another team's home floor if they are healthy. But you haven't been healthy in mass all season. So that's kind of a tough thing to figure out. Maybe Steph comes back next week and he's a little bit more rested and he can do this push from now until June. But if you have trouble winning four straight games, I have a hard time seeing you win four straight series. Vincent, I just want to say before before we let you go, I'm getting a little deja vu because I remember a lot of people saying the same things about the Warriors last season. And I kept telling them, you can't count out championship DNA. Everyone said I was crazy. They're not going to win it. They're not going to win it. 
And last time I checked, the Bay had a, a championship parade. So I'm just saying, this sounds a lot like history repeating itself. You can't count. Here's you the cannot difference. just credit no, right. a part of a champion. And they have championship yeah. DNA. That that's, that sounds nice. Heart of a champion. That sounds beautiful. Rudy T, all that stuff, right? <laughs> but the difference between last year's Warriors and this year's Warriors, and last year's Warriors I picked to come out of the West. So I'm with you. But the difference was, that team got off to such a great start that they had a cushion to rely on. I think they started off 18 and three, yeah. and they played 500 basketball for the most part for the rest of the year. Exactly. But they had sweat equity in that season of knowing when we want to turn it on as a group for a week or two weeks or a month, we can figure some things out. And and like every other champion, they got lucky, and that's not a shot to them. But they got some circumstances right. that work in their favor. <laughs> like every, she's like every other champion. She's a low-key hater, Ash. She's a low-key no, hater. I, I said, Vincent, said, Vincent. I said like every other champion. Did I not say did that? You see where, did, I, did you did see where Steph Curry, did you see what Steph Curry did in game six? Get out of here. They got lucky. Come, were you watching the same finals? Vince, I, I come there. back. No, I, come I was, back on Woman Wednesday. Everybody gets lucky. We want you back. Is it were you Michael Jackson? I want you back. I no, I get it. I'm I'm always wanted back. <laughs> that ain't nothing new. Uh, He's naming all these songs. It's insanity. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody hating on your warriors. You always hating on them, but I still love you. Giannis dominates. Giannis dominates. I know, he I did. know. I know, Ashley, you think this is all lovely and cute, but you still think Boston's the team to beat in the East. So I'm so excited. Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure. And, and, and this this story was written by a man named Christian Winfield, who, who I know pretty well. He also is a man who was talking big, big, big stuff when the Nets had, you know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And my, how the tables have turned because now... There's nobody left in Brooklyn. And you know who's sitting at the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference standings? The real team of New York. The New York Knicks. Christian Winfield, everybody. Clap it up for Christian. What's up, buddy? You what know, an introduction. Someone, someone, was, someone was joking with me that I'm the only star left in Brooklyn. So uh, I think that goes to show you where we are with, the, uh, with where the Nets are right now. <laughs> true true story true story <laughs> very very true the the nets and the knicks you know face each other you know tonight msg what do you what do you have of what do you have to tell us rather what we can expect from this matchup obviously it's a little bit of a lopsided one <laughs> yeah well the times have turned in new york right i mean we've gone from this being nets you know championship type of team to now are they even going to make the playoffs and on the yeah. other side of the coin, you've got a Knicks team that, you know, Jalen Brunson has come in and really been the floor general that this team has needed for years. Ashley, you can attest to how important the point guard position has been uh, or the lack thereof for the Knicks. And now yeah. having that set in, you have Julius Randle playing good basketball. R.J. Barrett still has to find his footing, in my opinion. But, you know, even a guy like Josh Hart is coming in and making an impact immediately. Um, this isn't going to be an easy game for the Nets. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an easy game for the Knicks either because the Nets are still trying to, they're putting it together, understanding how offense runs through Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, and Cam Johnson is someone who's actually come along in that trade from Phoenix as someone who could put the ball on the floor and shoot the three. 
But without that star power, you see the wheels fall off late in games. You see Trey Young, a guy like that, go go off late in games and hit a game winner. Um, and it, it just boils down to who's going to take the last shot. How is the team going to generate late game offense? And uh, I think that's how a lot of this second half of the season is going to go for them. Yeah, I mean, listen, we got, on a serious note, I'm going to stop gloating. But, you know, the Nets do have a situation on their hands. You know, Kyrie's gone, Kevin Durant is gone. And that was a big chunk of the appeal, but also the success of the Brooklyn Nets. Now you have a team that has some nice key players, but you don't have any of those star players anymore. And the last remainder of the big three, Ben Simmons, currently on a $35 million a year contract, has been dealing with a lot of injury, you know, mostly in his knee. I heard that it was drained recently. And, you know, the Nets are considering whether or not to shut him down. You know, Coach Vaughn has come out and said he's still trying to figure out where Ben fits, who he can place him with on the court. What do the Nets do with this situation? Because like I said, you don't have Kevin Durant and Kyrie to kind of mask over a lot of those shortcomings that he may have been dealing with. Now the spotlight, the microscope is all eyes on him. Is there a way to salvage this situation? What is being talked about as a way to do so? Well, first and foremost, Jacques Vaughn came out and said yesterday that there's zero chance the Nets shut down Ben Simmons for the remainder of the season. So if we're taking him at his word, we're going to see Ben at some point. But it's also a matter of, number one, what type of Ben Simmons are you going to get? Are you going to get someone who's impactful? Are you going to get someone who's just trying to find his way on the basketball court? And then second, as you alluded to, who do you play him out there with? Because Jacques went really into detail about how different lineups about Ben Simmons may make you stronger in one area, but they leave you susceptible in other areas. For example, if you play Ben with four shooters, how are you going to rebound the ball, right? If you play Ben with another big like Nick Claxton, how are you going to provide spacing for the offense to flow? So there's so many different questions there. And on top of that, you're on the back end of the season. Uh, it, the next entered. Did we? I think we lost. Did we lose Christian? We lost Christian? <laughs> we oh, okay. did. Oh, no. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but Matt, I mean, listen. Eastern Conference, let's break that down a little bit. We, The East is a lot different than the West, for sure. There's a lot of competition. It's neck and neck for a lot of, you know, especially four through six. Those spots keep swapping out. One and two keep swapping out. Bucks and Celtics battling it out. Team to be in the Eastern Conference. Team that's going to be last, last team standing. Who do you have? You know... Oh, wait. Oh, Christian's back. Hey, Christian. <laughs> we're back. talking about what, team. What we're talking about we're talking about teams to be in the East now. Listen, the Bucks are a 15-game winning streak. Now, the Celtics are only half a game behind, but Nat, you first, then Christian, team to be in the East. Who do you I, have? I actually agree with you, Ashley. I still think the East is going to ultimately run through Boston, so mm. I'm with you. Curious what you think, Christian. You know, I, I wrote this last year. Um, I, I felt that the Celtics were really the beneficiary of Chris Middleton's playoff injury. And I felt that if Chris Middleton didn't get hurt, the Celtics might not have made it to the NBA Finals. And we'd see the Bucs as NBA champions beating the Warriors. Um, I think that's on the table this year. And I got reminded just how dominant the Bucs can be. When, I mean, we're talking about Giannis just dribbling the ball through defenders and dunking on guys. It's stuff you see in video games that I got to see happen at Barclays last night. So it's tough for me to really think about another team that can stop that, uh, especially when you combine that with healthy Drew Holiday, healthy Chris Middleton, healthy Brooke Lopez. 
pumped up Bobby Portis. Like, it's just so many different ways that Milwaukee can beat you. Um, I just want to see the series, though. I, if I had to put money on anybody, I'm putting money on Milwaukee for sure. Okay, very quickly, tell me real quick, what's the Knicks stealing this year? What what seed are they getting going into the playoffs? <laughs> oh, man, I think they're at their ceiling right now, fifth seed, right? Fifth I, I think seed? you should okay. be happy with that. I, I, don't think we, I don't think we see them get into the top four just because I think there's a, a significant drop-off between the top four and the rest of the East. But shout-out to the Knicks. I don't think anyone had them this high up right now if you go higher that's cool. if you avoid the play-in i think that's a huge success for your team shout out to the knickerbockers thank go you go make your way to the garden christian go watch a real new york team yeah. work i'll see you later i'm on the way now i'm on the way now <laughs>